Candace, that's who it was. Yeah. You said it, but. I said Candace. You said it, you said it. Hi, Candace. You said it, you said it. Soprano night tonight. You heard it. You heard it. You heard it. We was at here. You know what I'm saying? I gotta get up here. We we did it. Speaking of soprano, Pastor Robin, I was looking at an old. uh, It wasn't that old. A couple weeks ago, when we were singing some hymnals, and you hit a note, I was like, "Oh, Pastor Robin." I recorded it. I'm gonna show it to you later. Uh, Anywho, (laughs) okay. (laughs) I was like, Pastor Uh, Robin's out here hitting notes. Did y'all hear that note? I heard it. I heard it. Don't worry. I have listened. Yes. Um. Anywho, guys, we're just going to start this conversation and piggyback off our seminar that we had. Right. <laughs> you sound so wazzy. Seminar. <laughs> I'm Aussie at heart. Seminar. That's my other fragmented part. I'm getting the Aussie back <laughs> that I had, that I didn't know I had before. Hi, Susie. <laughs> the original part. <laughs> the original part. Um, yes, we were just supporting a little bit, but Jumping into the conversation of our last Saturday's seminar. Do you want to introduce this? Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. I'm just going for it. So we have Pastor Tony Cassis. Hi, everyone. <laughs> ah, my earring keeps being from Satan. Um, <laughs> right. I meant to press the applause button. Sorry. It's all right. Pastor Nathan Cassis. Hi, everybody. And we have Dr. Robin Cassis. Hi, guys. I know I'm a little biased, but my wife looks exceptionally beautiful tonight. I was about to say, she's already in heaven with her sky blue on. You see it? (laughs) She's ready. She's in heavenly places tonight. She's ready to roll. Yes. So, oh, and I am your host, Shanice. Portals is getting a new flow. We're getting some new flavor. So we're we're figuring out what the new things are in portals. I've heard some talk about some rumors of some new things. I don't know if Passionate knows about No, not like crazy new things, but just little new things. New things. Yes. Yeah. Keeping it fresh. Yes. A refurb. So you know I'm trying to find the flow now. We gotta change the flow. We gotta get that. I, part I don't part. think we could get bored, but I honestly don't. No, because right. it's you, you sit on the edge of your seat the whole time. Exactly. It's prophetic, not pathetic. It's prophetic. <laughs> exactly, mm. and we need it. So we were discussing the seminar we had Saturday, which were jam packed with many gems. If you are new to the Portals Live team and you have not seen the seminar. Uh, I advise you stay tuned for when we post it on our Torque TV website, um, which requires a subscription, however, comma, it's worth it. Then you get all of the portals, you get 
you get so much on that subscription. Um, our team can definitely help you out and link that in our comment section. Um, but for those who did watch it, I mean, you guys can start dumping the gems of this seminar as we are unpacking it tonight. Um, and let's see what you remember. But Dr. Robin taught it this week, and it was such a different, it was a different flow for you too, Dr. Robin. Like it was yeah, it coasting. Was, we were it good. It was a, a challenge because um, I know a lot about what I'm teaching and this was uh, sort of a new form of revelation and, uh, you know, and it was a slow process, the, the teaching. It seemed to land. It's a bit like portals. Sometimes you can say one word and it just lands. And that is not the way I usually teach because I usually get several different things and I will just bring them forward and bring them forward and bring them forward. This time, one statement and just let it land. And it was like, if you were insecure, you probably feel, oh man, there's too much stillness. You know, there's too much quietness. Some pastors feel that they have to keep the flow going, keep the flow going, because they're afraid of that stillness. But the Lord showed me something when he did this because uh, I was talking very much about the noise and I was saying it, we just need to realise that God doesn't talk through noise. And so what he showed me was he was talking to others through that still small voice and it was just like you could hear the still small voice in each person as it sort of touched ground, you know. It was like, it, it wasn't, a noise is very, it just a boo, you know, and it, you could hear it. But this, but still small voice, it was like it just went bang when it hit. Yeah. And I, that's what I was experiencing with people. Mm -hmm. It was like, it was landing and they were getting their own revelation out of it. Mm -hmm. Possibly people were finding answers to things. Yeah. And maybe even um, coming to terms with things. Yeah. I'm sure there was many different things that they were doing, but it was a different way of teaching. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was just... Gym after gym after gym, and it, I, I don't know, I can't explain it. It was very different. Like, you know, it was like the truth and love in a sense, in this sense. Um, and I know you always deliver the truth and love with us, but I, it was like I think different. I was in love with the scripture. There you go. The scripture that uh, I was reading from, the one that I took and took it apart, Mm -hmm. That scripture um, seemed to open up like never before. Mm -hmm. um, I yeah. know I have quoted it, Jeremiah 4, before, mm -hmm. you know, because it's a, a really important scripture to me. 
And it just opened up. It opened up more than it did before. Mm. And it was more concentrating on him knowing us and then secondary, it was us being formed in our mother's womb. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it brought a reality back to uh, the emphasis was on God knowing Mm. us and secondary that we were then formed in our mother's womb. Mm -hmm. Whereas most of our thinking is usually what, how we're formed is through our mother's womb, Mm. you know? Yeah. But it brought it, it brought it back to um, the right order. Yeah, for sure. And it was a, a wonderful scripture and it was able to see that he conceived us in his heart before we were even formed. Well, what was that going to mean? That was going to mean whatever he made before he put us in our mother's womb is the original. Yeah. And that's what we were talking about because we've been going through life and uh, even to, to the point where we have been fragmented, yeah. totally fragmented by life and such like that. But we're not fragmented by his conception of us. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? We're not, you know, fragmented life experiences, hurt, pain, sin, that fragments us. But that's not who I was made originally. So... When he says that he's for such a time as this, he wants me to be all that he made me to be. So that is immediately what we were going to call this portal tonight about original parts. parts. So we wanted to talk about that tonight. Yes. So that, that I think was the thing that was dropping into each person's heart. Yes. I think that was the like the cap gem in my mind that stands out for the summary of it is like the spare parts is only spare to us and not to him. And that landed in such a way in my heart to see that there is a original plan that I have been, you know, scarred and, you know, mulled through the life circumstances, but he still wants to return us to that. And it, it reminded me of a portal you guys had, um, it may have been a, like, you know, a segue from a sermon, but about how we can have the Garden of Eden on earth. And that it's like, it was another part. It reminded me of that when you said that as well, because I ne- never thought that that was possible through life, you know, through the circumstances that we've gone through. But you adding to that by saying not only can we have the garden eden on earth as far as our relationship with christ we can also be returned back to our original yeah because we have this understanding that um whatever life has done to damage us that's where we have to go from and that that's sad because that's not according to scripture 
So, uh, you know, that would cause us to stand differently. So our stance is different. We're not looking to where we've got to keep going. We really should look back to where we've come from and, and, and see that God has brought us through. Something that stood out to me um, that you said, I think my cord is stuck, um, which I don't know if people got, but when we were writing it, because I was your scribe, and you well, just scribe. pulled it and kept And you made me pull every <laughs> bit out of me. He wouldn't do anything. He said to me, go on, tell me what it is and I'll write it down. Right. And I, I just asked said, guided Don't questions. Don't you want to add? Don't you want to add? No, tell me what it is and I'll write it down. Well, I, I would add something little and then you would take it to and its run full with it. revelation mm. and just asking guided questions to engage your heart because what was in your heart was already there. Yeah. Just had to bring it, it out. It was just drawing it out. Which is great because that's our partnership. That's how we work. And you do the same to me. Um, but something yeah, that... Tony does the same when sure we does. write together as well. All those Canaanland journals. Eh? It is the truth. Hours of prophetic conversation. Um, something that stood out to me, which um, we got, but I'm not sure if people got, was the, the synopsis of the Valley of Dry Bones and how... For there to be dry bones in a valley, there already had to be a life lived. Yeah, that's right. Bones don't just show up. Just and come out of nowhere. So I this, didn't get that. this rep again. So <laughs> there was a life there. before. This was the life that represented your previous life before Christ, mm. and even now to the point where your life before coming to for such a time as this. Mm. So that really stood out to me because it was like, ah, okay. This is how I can tie in. Yeah, that previous life did be make all these things become spare parts. Yeah. Because my perception of God, what we said at the start, was my yes. deception of God. Yeah. And so his conception, you know, was not my perception. And because of pain, experience, opinion that and circumstance, the that became the deception. So the Very Lord true. had to take us through that life. And then when we came to salvation those things became dead and became dry bones. And then when he spoke, the dry bones stood up, but now they had to go through that process. process. And the, the key is here that if we keep getting this, you know, the fragmented soul, you know, returned to us, for what purpose is it? What is the purpose? Is it just to keep getting back bits and bits and more? No, it's to make us whole and to bring us back to the original plan that God had before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knew you intimately and he conceived you in his heart. Your conception was in his heart first before there was any conception in the womb of your mum. And it actually says that in the second part of the scripture, you know, before you were formed in your mother's womb. And we did a word study because, yep. again, I'm studying Hebrew, so I'm learning how to go to the roots of the words. Yep. You know, and we did a word study and um, that word there formed in your mother's womb Another word in the Hebrew for that, it can also mean before you were even an intended thought yeah. 
or before you were even, you yeah, know, I, I said the all intention. That. Yeah. Or, so before you were even an intention of your mother's womb, yeah, which shows, you know, the conception process physically of being coming, you know, alive. Yeah. And yeah. how the womb. Before even that environment of the womb, because we know that generational curses and rejection from the womb, all those things. But before all that could set in, that was what God formed. And that meant that uh, before you were an intention in your parents, you know, to have a child, God formed you in his heart first. He conceived you in his heart first. And that's what we need to come back to remember. And that's where we should go from, not from the fragmented side. And, and this is something that God is trying to do with us, bring us back. In, um, in the book of uh, Psalms, it says, on the 23rd Psalm, it said, He restores my soul. So it doesn't say he restores just my fragmented soul. He restores my soul to make it whole. That's a, that's a powerful point. We always give the credit to the fragmentation. No. He restores the fragmentation. Yeah. No, he restores soul, the not whole just what was soul. taken out. That's where those appetites, those desires, yeah. those choices, you know, those kinds of, you know, even the parts vision. of yeah, emotion and characteristics. The That's Lord wants to give us all that back. You know, so part of changing is getting the power to choose. Back. Very much so. Because what you chose was what kind of corrupted. So he also you know. restores the choice. So when you say that, that of course it's going to come and it's going to be like something hitting and suddenly you feel it because he's not just restoring something that's lost. He's restoring you whole. Yeah, wow. You whole. Do you understand? So we should live from that. And because such a time as this is to live from that. We can't live from being a fragmented soul. So we need to live from the person being whole. Okay? That very thing that he conceived in his heart. And then the beautiful thing was what he said about uh, covenant. And that the covenant is so important to the Lord that if it, it just his thoughts. And now this is not possible to, uh, you know, for him to wipe it out, yeah. wipe himself out of his own heart. But he's taking it so seriously that he would say, the father would say that if I break my covenant with you, I would want to wipe myself out of my heart. And that, of course, is a statement and a half to hear. We know that's not possible. He, first and foremost, he is God. And the thing is, he will not break his covenant. But that is how serious it is. And so therefore, we should take it that serious ourselves. 
His word is the truth. And, uh, you know, we've said it on portals just, I think, last week. We yeah. said it on portals. We need to take his word to be the truth. So what better place than to take it to be the truth is before I was formed. A mother's womb. He knew me because he conceived me in his heart. Just, wow. to give, just to give people an understanding, because I had some people coming up to me and they're like, I didn't find that part in the scripture where it talks about the cut and the covenant and the cease to oh, exist. No, we, we use no, because you have to do a study. The root word, every Hebrew word has three root Hebrew letters. That's how Hebrew operates. Because it's not just, um, you know, and it's in Hebrew there's a number value, there's a sound value, and then there's an alphabetical value. So the root word of covenant goes back to the root word in Hebrew called um, bathah. And bathah means to cut. And then if you do a word study into what that cut is, that's when Dr. Robin shared how in the Old Testament, when God first made a, you know, covenant with Abraham, he bathahed, he cut that heifer into two pieces. He put one of the side one on of one side, and one, one on, on the, the other, other side, side and the blood flowed on the soil and the person walking through had to walk on the bloody soil to the other person with their hand out, a handshake, saying, may it be done to me more severely than what's been done to you right now to if I break animal. this covenant with you. And so God is literally saying from that word cut, may I be cut off, mm. cease to exist is another term, cut off. Yeah. If I don't keep the covenant that I've made with Abraham and his seed. Yeah. So that's where that whole interpretation comes from. So you won't find it in direct in the scripture, but if you do a word study, you'll find it, you know. And I think it explains it pretty well. It does. It gives us, you know, for the Lord to say, may I cease to exist in my heart. Yeah. That's how serious he takes his word. That's really how serious he does take his word. And covenant with us. So and, and it, powerful stuff. We should take it that serious. I mean, would we rather live as a fragmented one or would we, love, would we rather live as someone who is receiving the original parts which would make us whole? That's what yes. the word says. Wow. Amen. We're going to take a short break, but not go anywhere. We're still going to be here live with you guys. But this is an opportunity. Um, and I guess this is something kind of new because we don't have the question box available. <laughs> Facebook is trying to be interesting. So you guys can always post a question in the comment and we'll try to get to it so you can do it if some if a comment i mean a question comes up as dr rob or any of the team past tony or past Nate, comes up um we will try our best to get to it if it goes you know with the flow of we'll keep our eye on it and if you uh you know your name comes up and you've just got a comment and make it like it's a comment through a question yes we'll answer it Yes, you could put it in the question, I mean, in the comment section, and we, we're constantly looking at it. Yeah, I have the <laughs> anyway, feed here, yes. so I'll try to save it as they come up. Yes, and if, 
you know, Dr. Robin enjoys watching it as well and seeing you guys comments in your hearts. Never stop the hearts. You can always put hearts up <laughs> for encouragement to her as she's teaching as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, fragmented, like living, not living it. <laughs> it's interesting. No. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's really interesting, and I think, one of the biggest things I was, I said this in the segment part of it, is not putting that pressure. Because we, we get a lot of food here of the realities of who God is and who he should be to our life. But I think sometimes I find myself be like, why aren't you there yet? Like, you know it, but why don't you know it? You get what I'm saying? Because you're living sense? from that fragmented part mm -hmm. of you. Mm. And... If he wanted you to live from that part, he wouldn't be restoring your soul. Mm. Think right. on that for a minute. Have you got to live as that part fragmented all the way through your, your Christian life? Mm. Sure. Or is he saying that he restores my soul? So therefore, he wants you to live whole. Right. But you can only get that concept when you understand in Jeremiah 4. Mm -hmm. Then you'll start to get that concept. Right. Knowing you were conceived in his heart whole before you went into your mother's womb. Right. And to answer your question there too, I think... Hold on, let me give her a gem. <laughs> um, I don't want to give all my gems away because I'm keeping it for my course, but... There is, again, my favourite word, there is a process yeah. to writing truth on your heart, you know. And so knowing is one of the steps. Accepting is another step. Yes. Living as if it's your own revelation yes. is another step. Then knowing intimately is another step. So you've got yes. to know that you know that you know. Like Paul said, exactly. I know that I know and that so I know. And so with each knowing level is another heart engagement. So it's not enough for you to observe, like... Take, for example, um, again, in, one, in my latest paper, we we're talking about writing truth on the heart. And um, there's millions of people have gone to church for thousands of years and heard sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon. They go in on Sunday. They go in on Sunday from Jesus' time. They go right. in on Sunday. They go out. And on Monday, it's like it's... Um, what was the word that we used? Um, it's oral stimulation. But it's not actuation, meaning they hear it and it's like, oh, that makes me feel good at church and praise the Lord and hallelujah. But it never gets written on their heart because yeah. it just stimulates the intellect and, and it doesn't get written why here. God was showing me to take it one step and let it fall. Yep. Then it became not just a revelation that I was giving, it became their revelation they were receiving. Yeah. And we were receiving it as something that we accepted. This is a really big key. For, for truth to be written on your heart, you've got to accept it, yeah. meaning you've got to take it on as your own. You've got to not be distant or separate from it. So this is why... There was a big, big, I felt chains were breaking in the room when we were at the seminar because you could literally hear people's minds popping, popping right. and their heart unlocking. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because uh, that that's why yeah. again there was the a method, stillness. The stillness brought that um, opening of chains. The stillness brought something I could actually hear something dropping and then just like it hit yeah. bottom. Yeah. Yeah, it really like, did. And I'm here and I'm watching and people's eyes are opening up and people are going, like this, different expressions on mm -hmm. the face. And I'm going, wow. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was just a whole different experience. Right. What yeah. you were saying. Because you said something in the course, you said um, something about, um, oh, Lord, bring it back to my remembrance. Um you said something about uh, not truth. You said perception is always two-dimensional. It's um, it's intellect, but it's always um, combined with. I have to find it because that really stood out to me because it helped me to learn how to write it on my heart. It was like there was a part of us where the mind kicks in and says, "Oh yeah, yeah, I understand this." You know, from an intellectual kind of. It's always the mind rational trying to kind yeah, of standpoint. It's the mind trying to. Tell you what the mind's let me, thinking. Let me just look that up because I think I wrote it down. Pastor, it's the mind trying to tell you what the mind's thinking. Yeah, that's it. And, and it always tries to convert the heart. All the time. All the time. But it's the other way around, the heart. The mind is always at war with the heart. The heart. heart Unless the mind has been in line. renewed. Yeah. But let's say if it isn't and, and the heart then takes that position... It then can lead the mind yeah. and convert the mind. Is it, okay, my question is. No one's put a question. I know, I got some questions. I'll take this opportunity because we're going to talk prophetically today. So I think where, and clarify this for me because I might not even word this correctly, but I think what I tend to believe is that my heart is deceptive because I, I put it together with the emotional instabilities, right? So it's like, well, my heart is deceptive. So then that leads to putting my mind, oh my God, I just caught my own revelation just then. Your heart is not deceptive. But I think, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, audience, and say this, but do some of you guys feel what I'm trying to say to that? Why well, believe in Your like heart the emotional. And then I reason it away because I'm like, well, my heart could be a little murky. It could be too involved, too invested. This is invested. where the enemy is able to trip you up because is. this is where if where your heart is taught. deceptive, then your heart is tied to an old man. Yeah. So your heart is tied to a new man. There it is. The new man is alive. The old man is dead. But the heart is that when Jeremiah says the heart is deceived, he's talking about a people that do not have the spirit of God. So that doesn't apply to you. No. And I think Pastor Tony said that in the seminar because that was the question that was asked. But what does get applied to you is when the heart is one with the spirit and God speaks to the heart, but then it travels. See, the heart tries to overflow into the soul and then the soul into the mind, the mind into the brain. But the roadblocks come up for the heart when the soul hasn't been transformed with the word of God, both Logos and Rima. And then when the mind argues against the heart, so this is why sometimes you find it hard to change because you think, hang on, my heart is deceiving me inside. I'm really not a, a great person, like, you know. Right. But it goes back to there's no longer I and who it, lives, but Christ who lives in me. 
And it's always, it's always your heart that will try to, your heart is what the Lord speaks to. But your heart is something that you see through your behaviour. So if you see your behaviour is not good, you start judging yourself from your heart. You really will. And, and one of the biggest things to do with your heart is that your heart wants to be working with you, yeah. working with you. But you've been taught, even in your Christianity, it is. that your heart is not the one you work with. It's not. But would you work with your head? Because your head changes. Your head changes. Your heart is the last one to change in that way. It's not your double-mindedness is in here, the mind here. Not your double heart. It's your mind throws you up and down, up and down, up and down all the time. But your heart, most people know it as your head, Um, but your heart will be the one that will hold on to what it has. And then when you stop judging yourself, it will start to want to talk to you about Mm. it. So it will want to create a conversation to bring something that you're believing that's not true. Wow. Oh, my goodness. The soul is always locked to behaviour. The heart is always locked to identity. So you have to learn to separate your behaviour from your identity. And what we do as Christians is we think our identity is our behaviour and our behaviour is our identity. So when our soul counsels us with our behaviour to be because of physical choice and preference and then our heart says, okay, well, let me succumb to that argument and now let me take that on as my identity. But when we live in Christ, our identity from our heart can counsel our soul through identity on what our yeah. behaviour should be. This, this, and, and this has probably been one of the biggest trials for a Christian is to rely upon the heart, to trust the heart, because most of the teachings has always been associating your heart with your feelings and your feelings are supposed to be fickle, so your heart's going to be fickle too. But that isn't true. You have to see that this is the channel which God speaks to. Do you understand? This remember is that, the channel. Pastor, yes. remember that graph that we put up? I think they still have it available. The heart is the circle yes. that both yes. has the circle of spirit and then it communicates with the soul. So it takes input from the soul yes. and input from the spirit. Yes. So a heart that is unredeemed, say in a non-believer's case, is tied more of its allegiance to its soul. soul. But our hearts because he's created a new heart in us and we are one in spirit with him. Therefore, our hearts, its allegiance now is to the spirit. That's why we have a new heart. Ezekiel said, I'll take out that heart of stone 
and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I think that the heart has been had a, a, a bad deal, really, because the heart, um, it, God speaks to it. Your heart wants to speak to you. So there's always mm. conversation it's taking awesome. place with the heart. Okay? And, and good things pour out of your heart. Um, if it isn't pouring out good things, your heart will be counselling to you. Yes, it will. Your heart, your heart won't allow you to go on believing the wrong thing. You could be lying there in bed and your heart will start to, to give you the impression that it wants to, to talk to you about something, that it's troubling it. A heavy heart, troubling heart, you know. My, I, my, head, my heart's laying heavy on something, you know. And it's because the Lord uses that. That's his vessel that he uses to talk to you through. You know, because what, what does he say? David has a heart after him. See, the heart is what he looks at. The heart is what he communicates with. The heart is what he talks to. Can I add something? Because it looks like we're flowing in this portal and you and me we always get into these conversations. We could talk yeah. for hours. This goes into what I'm, where we're learning about dreams. Psalm 16, 7 says, My heart counsels me at night. Yeah. It instructs me in the ways of the Lord. Yep, so the does. heart lives on a, on a subconscious level. Okay, this is going to be mind-blowing. Where does real change take place? Not on a conscious level. No. Change that takes place on a conscience level is not transformation, it's behaviour modification. Yes, yes. So this is yes. an evolutionary kind of change. Yes. Because behaviour modification relies on stimuli because evolutionists have taught that we are the greatest form of an evolved animal. And just like oh, an animal, <laughs> we have to be trained through behaviour modification, yes. through what stimulates they, they the say five it all senses. The time, so... This is always behaviour modification. When we try to change ourselves on this intellectual conscious level, it's why we never change. Because it hasn't gone into our subconscious level, which is the heart, which will counsel us when we least expect it. Yes. Your heart will talk when you don't want it to and when you least expect it. Oh yeah. my goodness. So the Lord wants to move the church away because every self-help program and all of these great ideas that we have, you know, in mental health counselling, they're not bad, but they're based on behaviour modification. Behaviour mm -hmm. modification is not transformation. So God wants to speak to the heart. So that's why sometimes when you go to sleep at night, your heart will go, ah, okay, finally, you shut up. <laughs> now I can talk. And it will begin to paint and give you the, the weirdest kind of visualisations because the heart talks in pictures. Yeah. We learned that in Counsel by God. Yep. Because it will paint over-exaggerated images to get your attention. Because your intellect, if it was awake, would argue it away. Right. And say, no, 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 that, that's not possible. That doesn't fit into this time frame. And, you know, I can't be like that because, you know, that doesn't happen in the natural. But your heart doesn't speak that language. It's funny because... So real, real change, mm -hmm. get this, Getting it. takes place on a level that you have nothing to control uh, or to do, to with. do with. 
This week I had a dream. And you know, like when you're about you hit that three Go times. ahead, let me tell you. I think three. that were pretty good statements. That was pretty good statement. It's an important statement because if we realize that we can't change ourselves, we might stop trying to. Uh, well, is did anybody hear that? If you realize what? Say if it again, you can't Pastor. Change yourself. And if we realize that we might can't stop changing ourselves, we might, might stop, stop trying change, to trying to change yourself. And you might just let it happen. I was saying this week I had a dream and I was just waking up into that REM sleep. And I can literally hear the Lord speaking to my heart. And I was trying to get up and journal it and I could not do it. And I was like, why are you going to not include me in my own conversation with my own self? Like, you know, like just me and you, you're not going to include me. And it was so funny because I tried to get up and like, oh my God, I was in a camp. But wait, what else did he say? But I could clearly, I could like hear a dialogue happening and I know knew nothing here about it. Like I didn't even have it. It was so interesting that you said that because I was laughing. I got up like, wow. See, Lord, the, the process of trying to change yourself goes back there to what Dr. Go. Robin has taught us all along. You're still in competition with the cross. Yeah. You can't try and change yourself and have the finished work of the cross live in two, in the same vessel because it's still self-works righteousness and it's based on behavior modification. Right, if I, can be, if I can modify this behavior, then I'll be better with God. Right. That's what you're essentially saying, which is saying if I can control me, oh, I'll be yeah. closer to God. If I could do God. something to change yeah. me. So how do you change? Well, you know, 2 Corinthians, as beholding in a mirror with unveiled face, Only when you looking see at him Jesus, can there you it change. Is. Then, of course, change really, if you behold him, you can be transformed. This is it. I remember, see. Powerful statement from, I get another paper because I had to write papers all this week. The, the essence of a sin issue in our life, what is it? Okay, we understand it's preference, it's choice. But what is sin really? If I'm struggling with, say, rejection, if I'm struggling with, say, anger, fear, doubt, lust, right? What are those, what's the root issue? It's, it's everywhere I've stopped looking at Jesus. Yeah. That's all it is. Boiled down to its most basic form. What is your yeah, observation? It's, it's everywhere, everywhere I've stopped looking at Jesus will be everywhere I, will be because everywhere I have an issue. Because he says that. He said, turn your eyes on him. Because when you look at Jesus, the subconscious change takes place as you hold him, he changes you from what's within you, what you said about the caterpillar. It's already a butterfly it's in a different there. state. He brings it out. And can I go back to the heart again? You can go and back. Then, mm -hmm. And I'll just say this. Wow. Let's have a look at, at what we say here that he's made us in his image. Now, what has he made in his image? My heart? Yeah. Do you understand that? See, my heart was made the image of his heart. So it's the same work going on. Yeah. Same work going on. Come on up, Pastor. It's the same work going on. 
Wow. And so we, we need to see this because we go for change all the time and change is not transformation. It's not. It's not. I need to get back out. I have to have here. a little look. What's, <laughs> what's the word mean? You for take over because I need a little break. My throat's getting a bit dry. Okay. We're talking about real transformation. Looking Talk at Jesus. Talk to us, Pastor Tony. Help us. <laughs> He's looking like, what do I say? In the beginning. <laughs> right. I, um, no, this has been so helpful. I mean, the comments are just buzzing right now. Like, wow, this is spare parts part two. Um, because it's definitely. Something I, I know I personally struggle with wanting the change, but then trying to help God along in the change, like you said, Pastor Nate, through the head. Can I add something to yes, that you which may. the Lord just said to me? Change is changing a situation or changing something. Transformation is what? Taking on the image of something. Come on. Did y'all hear that? You see, I didn't say a word. Yeah. <laughs> your heart was speaking, Pastor Tony. We this heard is, your heart. This is really deep, deep stuff. It's, I think I've got to leave it to the experts. Yes. And also, I remember I was talking to Pastor Nate last week after the other portal we had. Um, and he was just pointing out something. Again, this is a personal journey for me. But um, how when we are trying to change ourselves, we're trying to change ourselves into an image. We, I, I personally, he was saying it for me, I personally didn't understand yet. Like God has to reveal, you know, bit by bit, his image to my heart because to me it's unfamiliar in a sense of that image, what it looks like. And I think about, I think it was after we said, which version do you see? I think it was after that portal. I can't remember. One was you remember where we had the sermon the of sermon. the shackles? Yeah, which version oh, do you see? Yeah. And the book. Yes. And in a journal, the Lord confirmed that is that he's, oh, that's what it was. Passionate, you were saying to ask the Lord, like, what that image is versus me trying to figure out what the image is. And that further, um, just just to add on to what you're saying, like we can't change ourselves to something we don't even know what that original part looks like for us. Just because what to look like. Yeah, you, we How don't know. How do you know what to change it to? This is what and I... And so you come back again to what did he form? What did he conceive? The image of the wholeness, that one. See? So... You've got to, like we were saying about the butterfly, even coming forward as a moth and all that and then being a butterfly in the end meant there was, all the ingredients was there for that final part. Mm. That original thing was there. Just like when God conceived you in his heart, your original heart was there. It had to be there to be able to be transformed mm. further on. Wow. To answer that question, Shania, um, I love what you said there. How do you know what to change? And you said no clue. And God won't let you know. Because mm. if you could know, you would corrupt it. 
You know what? So here's a little saying again, and I'm only giving you what I'm being poured into. There's no blueprint for where you're going, but there will be guideposts along the way. Oh. Amen. Amen. So Dying as you post. walk, as you walk, we as Christians, we expect a blueprint straight away. Yeah. Give me the details. Tell me when to turn right because Google Maps, right? Yeah. Right. But there's no Google Map for where you're going in your heart transformation. No. Yeah. But there will be signposts and guiding posts that yeah, he puts the there, will be there as a kind of directory kind of image to show you you're on the right track. Wow. And it's really important, you see. So if we can see, so I want to go into it a bit further. If we can see that all that we need to be and all we were in the beginning is there conceived Oof. in the heart of God, we can accept this more readily mm. than ever before to be able to walk in the original path. Come on. This is not a whole new thing that has to be put into yes, us. I yeah, I love that you said that. This is something that we need mm. to take hold of. If we can see that, look, our, even our identity, literally, we find our identity. How many times are we looking for identity? All the time. And yet all of our identity is there yeah. waiting. Oh, wow. 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 Our identity is there waiting. Yeah. We keep looking for it, but our identity is there waiting. Kind of reminds me of the sermon that you gave Ooh. about Abraham. Hit it three times. With the destiny. No, you said it. You taught it in Sydney about Abraham walking up one side of the mountain. And on the day that he left with Isaac on that journey to, you know, I think it's Mount Moriah, right, where he was going to sacrifice Isaac, God had commissioned a ram to start the journey up. Because Ram, you've taught, Ram are not, you know, um, they, they don't live in high altitude. Yeah, that's right. Then they, they're valley dwellers. Yeah. They don't live on mountaintops. Mountain mm. So that's that destiny and you coming to meet one so, another. But your so heart, your identity. For, for that to happen, there had to, be, there had to be something supernatural within that Ram to be able to take that position. Because, you know, mountain goats are the mm -hmm. ones that can go up and the air's thin, they can go up. But own, you can't, a ram, a lamb, all that sort of thing, they cannot go to those high places only. So the Lord chose that to do a supernatural work for what he was oh. about to do. A supernatural work inside that ram for what he mm -hmm. was about to do. Mm -hmm. So it had to be a supernatural thing all the way. I'm also thinking about something and, you know, about the way I look at what image and identity is when you're saying take on the image of God in our hearts. I think we I... Have that. What you behold is what you 
Right. I think the image, the there's a, a mental image in a sense. But we always crap. want yeah. to go with the image of our heart. Right. Of <laughs> what we think our heart is. Right. And um, God is always communicating with us to show us that isn't the image of our heart. Mm. And this mm. is why... You're living in a fragmentation. This is why when you keep looking at you through you, you'll never find you. True. You've got to look at you through Jesus because Jesus is the only mm. one that fulfills all of the requirements for the perfection of the covenant, the fulfillment of the cross, the finished work. So we do this thing where we try to int introspectively look at ourselves through us. That's right. But Jesus is the magnifying on, glass that we have to look through. And when we begin to look through him, that's what the Father looks at. Pastors taught us this time and time again yes. he doesn't see us through us no, he sees us through, through jesus, jesus because that's the only way he can see us because of how holy he wow. is he can only see us through the eyes of jesus and the eyes of jesus is love for us yeah i read something that i wrote here um uh, this is on where the war rages and it's um it's uh, talking about how the heart wants one thing but the soul wants another thing yeah. and when we want to fight we have to have a correct strategy because no one goes into battle or war without a strategy finding out who's your enemy or who's really the person that's bringing you know the division so um it says here um this is my words by the way so thank you lord for increasing my writing through this course uh, when we have renewed our minds with the truth of God's word and the rema of that word, we will have harmony in our spirit and soul. This means we stay in faith and not wavering into a double-minded place. Faith is when we are immovable in our trust for him and his word. Thoughts that are not rooted in our new identity in him become the strongholds that take us captive. I'll say it again. Thoughts that are not rooted in our new identity in him will become the strongholds that will take us captive. Amen. Our peace is not the covenant that God has made with individual men. Instead, it's the covenant that he has made with Jesus and the seed of Abraham of which we are. It's only in Jesus that we are totally, totally qualified for the promise because of the finished work of the cross. We do not focus our attention on our performance or lack thereof. No, we focus on the finished work of Jesus and its entirety. By doing so, our faith is about his works and not our own. Get that? Our faith is about his works because his works are complete and perfect. When our faith becomes about our own works, that's when we start to look at ourselves through ourselves. And unfinished. Unfinished. Works. And it leads All us to behavior modification, modification, not yes. heart transformation. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, um, I think that um, we, a lot of the time, we look at the cross as something that has to, it's like a, um, an experience that we need to go through, yeah. which is more negative than being so positive. We see it always, you know, I've got to get on that cross, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Uh, you know, it's always tied in with change and such. And we have to see what God sees to do with the cross. 
if we can see what he sees, then only thing he ever sees is the finish of that work that Jesus did. Can you see that? He doesn't see him like he led up to the cross and he went through this and he went through. He saw it all finished. So every time he looks at his son, he looks at Jesus, he just sees the finished work of the cross. And that's the only way he can look at us through that finished work. And the Lord, he looks at us because we are his heart. He loves his bride. So God is looking at one thing. What's in the heart of Jesus? And Pastor, how we... This is what blew my mind this week when I was learning about the commonality, the fellowship. And in, again, in the course, I'm going to take you through root word studies to show you what he meant by you have fellowship. There's a, there's a powerful thing here. But what do we have in common with Jesus? When they asked me that in my book, I'm thinking, hang on, what do we have in common with Jesus? Okay. Like I couldn't start to. And then as they started to teach, it really started to make sense. How do you access that heart? Well, you died with him. You were buried with him. You lived with him. But you rose with him. So resurrection life becomes the conduit to which his life now becomes your life. And how you and that's the only way you can access his life becoming your life because that's what you have in common. Make it a bit more simple. So what that means is like you died, you rose with him. So because of the fact that you rose with him, the resurrection life is what you have in common. That's right. And then you ascend. And that is what gives you access to his life becoming your life, his thoughts becoming your thoughts. Yeah. The fact that this is what the enemy does. He gets us off the awareness. He gets us to the awareness that we died with him. Always. You've taught this in Council by God, that we're buried with him. Always, always. But we never come back to the awareness that we're alive with him. And never come back to, we're always in the crucifixion. We never come to the resurrection. And if we don't come to the resurrection, then we'll never come to the ascension. Seated. Do you understand? We stay at the experience of the crucifixion and... It's like we choose to do that because we keep looking at the fragmented person that we are. That's why we stay there. We do. We stay there because we keep looking at all the experience and how fragmented we are. But we forget we're risen with him And then we ascend with him. Now, are you going into heaven fragmented? Are you ascending as a fragmented part? Are you you being raised as someone who's fragmented? Or are you being raised as someone who's whole? You can't see it, sorry. And someone... Can you also, you can't see that you ascend as someone who's whole. 
See, this is the commonality that the Lord was mind-blowing to me. Why do I fall into fear, doubt, panic, anxiety? I lose sight of the fact that it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives within me. I lose sight of the fact that, hang on, I'm not just dead with him. I'm not just buried with him. I'm alive in him and I ascended with him, seated at the right hand of the Father. So that makes it no longer my life. This is where opinions try to jump in. Opinions try to teach you it's your life. But when you let go of that and you remember the commonality of that, you learn, ah, okay, this is how I can access Christ's thoughts, his feelings, his understanding, his wisdom. Yes, his faith, all of it. There it is. All of it. So it's not, uh, so this is the reality of it. This is the reality. Don't look at you through you. It's it's all about abiding. It really is. It's going deeper, but it's about abiding and it brings us back to that scripture. We come back there again where he conceived us in in his heart and, you know, and he made us in the image of him. Well, he didn't make us in an image of the world and he didn't make us in the image of Satan. He made us in the image of him, you see? And so there potentially he knew what he put in us and that's what he wants to bring us back to. Yes, I mean, we didn't quite break, but we'll take a break. (laughs) Yes, because it was great. It needed to go. Because, oh, we have a question that I was just about to say. No one want to ask any questions, so, I mean, I will take advantage but we do have a question um that is here so <laughs> can i just say something yes have you seen what angela's put yes. can we answer that now go ahead and uh, just answer it uh she says here angie says the word ascending makes me uncomfortable given all the new age garbage being shed abroad we agree with you angie sure jesus is coming back amen but we did ascend and it's the new age that took it from us right yeah. We're just taking back what's yeah. ours. Yeah. was never theirs. Right. It's a nat- they try to fragment. It's a natural law written by the supernatural, and the church called it devil, but yet what God has created cannot be called devil. So and That's good news yeah. for you, Angie, getting you the original parts all back, all that terrible uh, experience that you question. went through. You know, you're not going to live in that. You live in the wholeness the original thing and the original plan, the yeah. original part, that that which one God conceived you in his heart. Amen. Vanessa has a really good question. Go for it. Um, we've taken a break now, so we're going to ask. I can't even see it. Where <laughs> she says here, since our personality can be shaped by experiences, situations and life, are parts of our personality original parts or fragmented parts? Go ahead. No, no, you go first. I've got to get what she's saying first. She's saying, since our personality can be shaped by experiences, situations, it, yeah. and life, are parts of our personality original parts or fragmented parts? But that would come down to what sort of things, experiences, and also what sort of situations of life. Because those, if they're um, something 
that as you've come out of your mother's womb, that can be something that it, that you will be fragmented by. Yeah. So the experiences and the, the situations, they have to be, um, I would say, holy and godly ones for them to really, really be a part of the original. Because you can't have fragmented parts and call them part of the original. So we're all going back again, Vanessa, to the original. So he's not moved by experiences and such like that. But in the beginning, you were made that way. So that's what you need to come back to, what there was in the beginning, not when you experience certain things in life. It's going to take time for it to land because we've lived out of fragmentation for so long, so long. This is why the Lord says, you know, think about this, uh, you know, worship me with all. All, not some, but all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your being. Because it's possible to do that, you see. It's possible to do it, you know. And that's, go ahead, add to it. Um, I think it's really important to understand, it's a big statement that I'm going to say, but along with knowing him in your heart, your personality is not, when I say opinions have formed because of life's choices. Yeah, that's right. It's not what I'm saying. Opinion and personality are two different things. So what we do is we tie our opinion to our personality. Ah, very good. And we good. think that our opinion is our personality. But God is saying all along, no, I know you. Yeah, I you knew don't you. know yourself. I knew you before. Now, life's experiences, if they are void of the word of God, both Logos and Rima, then those experiences give influence to demonic personality. So you're taking on the influence of something that is not you. So you were never that way. Yeah. You've been influenced by something telling you its personality is your personality. Yeah, through an experience of some sort. So that's life. why in deliverance for... for Vanessa, who's our deliverance pastor, we always say we separate you from their personality to this yeah. demonic spirit because we're telling that demonic spirit your desires, your choices, your fetishes that you want fulfilled are not a part of my personality. And that means and that, yeah. that that's a part, part of the old man. Exactly. It's a part of the old man. It's not a part of this new man in Christ, Christ in you. When I got a new heart, I got a new identity. My identity forms my personality, yeah. not my personality forming my identity. No, not at all. So if my identity is in Christ, then my personality it's in Christ. is formed from that. So anything that influences that away from that reality is not me, but a demonic influence yeah. and that comes through opinion and giving up your choice you've given choice to that demonic influence to influence you with its desires i think paul says you know the lust of the flesh 
you know, and the pride of life. All those things are not a part of us because we are redeemed. They were a part of us before we were redeemed. But essentially, it's Satan's personality coming through and influencing. So did that help you, I Vanessa? I hope that helps. Did she say yes? I'm not sure yet. This is the, I, this, I want to explain to her, this is the truth of why we say we separate you yeah. from that personality. Because our personality is not what we're casting out. You're not a personality that is prone to rejection. You're not a personality that is prone to alcoholism. You have been influenced by a demonic spirit feeding you its and personality. And the other thing is that that personality will try to entangle itself yes. around your true personality. Yes. Layer on top. And layer in, but entangle that itself in that personality. And possibly because it does that, you think that personality is you. you, but once you untangle it, it you know it is not. Can't confess I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That's right. And only apply that as 50%. Of you no. being made. No, that, that's because we definitely live fragmented. Yeah, that's because of fragmentation. We've we've thrown away the us that we think God isn't pleased with in those moments. Yeah. You know? So and if, if I could I'm only fearfully, 50, wonderfully made. You know, I, I, if I could only 50% live, you know, that we think, well, if we can just get that 50% godly. Ooh. You know, or, or, you know, I'm living 50% of that God personality and the other rest of it's uh, fragmented. No, it, it, to think like that is, is uh, you're throwing yourself right into the hands of the enemy. Mm. You're believing a lie and he's telling you lies and he'll continue to tell you lies because mm. you'll, you'll listen. Amen. And, and that's and because you live fragmented. And Pastor... Something, that, again, that the Lord was showing me today is that Satan cannot take away what's written on our hearts. That's what Karen said, didn't she? She did. What did she, she say? She said, when it's written on our hearts, mean thankfulness and praise, the devil can't touch it. Can't touch it. But Satan can't take away what he has written on our hearts. Mm. He can only, you know, um, it's hard to explain without going to the fullness of it, but he can only use what we don't let our hearts talk to us about yeah, and presents itself as an opportunity for influence. Mm. The word influence is really key here because in the Greek of the actual word demon, it actually means to be influenced by. It doesn't yeah. mean to be possessed. It means to be under the influence of something. I think I use uh, that influence as uh, something in, in a godly influence yeah. is a powerful influence. Mm. You know, I believe that... A true power is having influence on someone and that's where the demons try to have power by having influence. But they, we have to realise something. We've been living half people. Mm. We have. We haven't been living to our full potential. And I just want to quickly bring Pastor Tony in here because you're not going to sit there and not talk. Now, he's got some scripture. You've talked, I want you to talk about this because we talked about how our personality is not the d 
demon's personality. But this is where the word choice, what we choose, comes in because choice is our relationship to what will we let influence us. Can you show us in the scriptures and give us some kind of theological kind of understanding of the difference? Because we're not, people can't understand this and think, oh, well, then that means I'm, you know, I'm always going to be perfect and there's nothing that's going to get in and no, you still have a part to play. You have to choose what you let influence you. Can I get that camera just moving on on my face a little bit over this side because something keeps on going over that side all the time. Oh, okay. The the camera space, yeah. Um, this, This is really like out of my sort of pay grade. So all I'll say is... Uh, it's, it's going to take a while to deprogram personality that you have. Yeah. That's part of the walk with Jesus. Right. It's part of that, you know, Jesus said, follow me and be crucified daily. It's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit revealing that part of your personality that is not yet submitted. That's, that's a daily process. You wake up one morning and there'll be... Uh, everything will be Christ-like and you won't have to worry about that anymore. Looking forward to that day. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? But, like, I've often prayed, Lord, I really want to see my personality change. You yeah. Know, like, because uh, I know there's portions of who I am that I, I'm not happy with and I know God isn't happy with because it's not rooted in the resurrected yeah. Christ in me. I think it comes down to a little bit more than that. And I think it's, uh, you said you're looking for the day when you get to hear or see your personality. And most of us have got entanglements, have had (laughs) entanglements with our personality through demonic personality that we have never known our personality. And that's why by through deliverance we untangle. And as we begin to untangle it, we begin to see a personality that we never knew or never thought we had. That's it. That's it. Because you've never been the real you ever... It's it's a discovery, so it sure is. Nothing is familiar. Come on, it's you know true. I mean? It's Everything true. Everything is new. And hey, that's that's where you can say all things have become new. Yeah. And so that brings us back to saying, um, you know, uh, have you ever seen your personality mm. in Christ? Have you ever seen it? Because it means as you untie and untangle through, you know, the the process of bringing back the fragmentations and whatever else, then as you do that, you begin to see, I, yeah, I don't think like that. No, it's not something I have to work at. It's just as I begin to loose myself from that demonic personality that has entangled itself around me and it's not thinking evil, evil, evil. It's thinking things that are fleshly and, and of course, that's the work of the enemy to keep on convincing you that the old man's alive, he's alive. And that's what he does. He brings up all the time. You see? One, One of the biggest roadblocks 
to seeing true transformation is we think we know ourselves. Yes, that's Ooh. the one. You think you know you. Yeah. And all along the father's going, hang on, this isn't the you that I see in my book. This is the you that has been influenced by circumstance, wow. demonic interventions, choices that shouldn't have been made. That's not the you that no. I formed in my heart. No. This is a sub-you, a pseudo-you that you've been living on the level of for too long. So even though you have gone from what I formed you in the... He's not moved by those experience to bring you back to the original. He's not saying, well, you went off track and therefore there's no way back. But that's what you would say. Yes. I'll take half rather than have nothing. I'll take half. Yes. And so you've got to see you really don't know you. You don't mm. know what God formed in his heart, what he conceived in his heart. But if you were to get the reality of it, you would allow yourself to think about this. If he made you in his image, he has no fragmentation in yeah. his image. Yeah. yeah. There is no evil in his image. There is no sin in his image. And that is what he made in his heart. Conceive that. Made that image. That's what he is. And believe it or not, that's what's in us. Christ in us, which is the hope of glory. You need to see that and stop living in that fragmented stage all the time, trying to change yourself. Behold him and that which is in you will be transforming yeah. you. Just a good example of how sin can de defect your personality comes out of my one of my favorite books and that's genesis again cain was the firstborn of adam and eve mm -hmm. and he had a lot of personality defects and that's within one generation right um abel probably had personality defects but it, it looks like abel applied the christ likeness that he was supposed to but Cain couldn't. There's the key word, applied. Right? And that's what, it's so sad because Cain being the firstborn probably inherited that portion of what Adam and Eve did more so than Abel did. And that's not to justify him. But you could tell by Cain's response to God's warning. Remember the Lord said to him, yeah. if you do well, yeah. like he was jealous of his brother, his countenance fell, personality defect, right? And then the Lord says to him, look, if you do well, you will also be rewarded. But he said, sin's lurching at the door and you must master it. And it's like Cain lost the capacity to even, you know, listen to God because nothing changed about how he was dealing with the jealousy with, with his brother Abel to the point where... Jealousy led to hatred. Hatred led to murder. Wow. But even when God called him out on him murdering his brother, 
His personality didn't have the ability to feel any kind of remorse. It was all about him. He didn't say to the Lord, oh, I'm, wow, I've killed my brother. I, I should be feeling really bad. No, all of his, his complaint was, oh, life's going to be even harder for me now. Yep. Rather than, yeah, Lord, I deserve it. I shouldn't have killed my brother. Mm. And so that defect, I'm, I'm just bringing that out because the whole human race yep. has been affected by that. But and that's why when, when Jesus comes along and he nullifies all that, it's a training, it's like a learning process to, like you said, you've never really met the real but you. But that, that which um, you know, entangled itself around Cain through jealousy, and that was spiritual. That, was, that, that became, he, he never really knew his personality because he was he thought that was him that he thought that was him and it was always entangled around him because of his you know his weakness and such but if we could just see this this is so important for us to see that um, God is really putting it to us not to live in fragmentation I believe more this is what the father is saying. And this is where the Lord is changing my concept of what the Father is saying when I'm not walking in the fullness of the personality of Jesus. Yeah. Because my old concept was you need to get it right. You need to be right. You need to do better. You need to change. But I'm learning to understand the Father is not saying that. He's saying, Nathan, there's an opportunity for What's you right in now you, you need to, to apply the life of Jesus and the personality of Jesus. What you're living on is not the best. So apply the personality of Jesus right now to your life. Look at Jesus and then it's just a little course correction. It's not a huge turnaround. But Looking at Jesus in instantly changes your personality to be like his personality. You can't look at Jesus and not be like him. It's like... If you were to look at it this way, it's what's in you. Yep. That's what you need to live in. Now, that's the personality that needs to become one with you. Yeah. That uh, personality of Christ in you yeah. being the hope of every situation. But no, we, we look, I'm going to challenge you. We know how to have things entangle our personality, the true personality, and these demons can convince us that that's our personality, that that's our real self. It's so easy for us to do that. Mm. Then we need to get the reality that Christ in us formed within us, together with us, right, joined together with us, you know. Uh, what's the word I usually use? Seared? What was the word? I can't remember it now. Where it becomes... Fused together. Fused to glory, yes. Fused together, that's the personality that's going to come forward. It's either going to be one or the other because I don't live anymore. So I'm either going to be transformed into his image and live out of that personality yeah. or 
I'm going to allow the devil to keep and his demons, because I'm dead, man, but I can allow my body to be used by him to bring forth his appetites and his personality. It's my choice. Mm -hmm. It's my choice. But everything that makes me the original in God's heart when he conceived me, I can walk in. Mm. Which is all of God. Wow. Wow. We had two questions, but if anybody want to just the, uh, real quick. The concept of predestination comes up all the time, right? Because you guys are talking about what's the original. So my understanding of it is this, Pastor, and that is when God created an Adam and Eve, he had a plan for them and for their seed without sin. He had a perfect plan, right? Now, being God and knowing going forward in the future, he had this idea of what was going to happen. So he made room for it before it happened. So the question is, is the redeemed me the original me? Are we going back to, is God taking us back to what we should have been before sin? Yes, because in Jesus being the second Adam, we get back to the pre-fall state that we should have never had in the first place. This is what the, recon- remember I read in my, the, the word reconcile, it means to exchange for coins of the same value. So when God sent his son to reconcile us, he said, right, I value you this much. Well, the same thing that I value you at, I value my son at. So I'm going to send the same thing that has the same value as you to bring you back to the original thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I I totally believe it's... Yes, it is. Because that's what healing is. Healing is us moving back to our pre-fall state before sin and choice mm. and generational curses yeah. got in the way. The, the reason why I say this is because, you know, there's, there's two schools of thought and then I'll probably quiet down for the rest of the night. Um, there's a school of predestination called Arminianism, which yeah. believes yeah. that, you know, God predestined you to be saved from eternity past Nothing you can do about it. There's nothing no. you can do to get you out of God's grace. No, not and, true. And then the Calvinists believe that even though there's a predestined election, you have to play your part. Yeah, you have of to. Both of them are true yep. to a certain extent. So the question is, um, what was the original plan? Was the original plan the redeemed man or the original plan the man without? Sin. And so I say my answer is both are correct. Yeah, because the man without sin did not have the spirit living within him. It was upon him. So breath was still not close enough. It's true. He had to get inside of us. Yeah. So I believe it's both. I think Ah. it's both because my redeemed me is actually my... My whole me anyway, my, yeah, my me without sin. See, I, I'll go back to the original plan 
is not the one that comes back to get back. Yeah, it's not plan B. There's no plan B. You're there right. There we go. There's no Redemption plan B. is not plan B. And that's what we have to get. If we can understand that. Remember I said to you last Sunday, I said, it just dawned on me, Dad, the Lord said to them, be fruitful and multiply. They were meant to have millions of humans living in the garden, not just those two. There was a plan for life to go on and take, yeah. and take place. Yeah. But sin robbed us of that. But yeah. yet the same thing that you've just said, it wasn't close enough. He wasn't inside of us. Yeah, I get but, you. But when we say we're going back, we're going back mind, body, soul, spirit. The whole lot is going back. It's not just action. It's not just personality. We're going back the whole of me. I want to go back to the whole of me that God conceived in his heart. The rest of it came as a result of what was conceived. He knew me first. He was intimate with me. Then he put me in my mother's womb. Now, that's when um, experience and everything started. Now, sure, I'm going to be redeemed back, but I'm going to be redeemed back to the wholeness that I was. Yeah. I think in the scripture, the, um, the Lord just gave me this scripture to, to say the redeemed is the original plan. Yeah. Uh, 1 Peter 1, 19, 20, it says, um, uh, where is it? He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Yeah. So redemption was his original plan from the start. It's just we can't un we can't get it in our in our and finite minds of how the two come into the one. Yeah. Because we've always we have been taught that Jesus came as a result of sin, but he didn't. We were Jesus. This is a big statement. So maybe guard me here, but. That's what the church has taught us. Well, we sinned, so Jesus had to come and bring us back. And that's yes, the reason he yes, came. Yes, and yes. then again, that means that sin leads us to Jesus, which is a very, very no. construed kind of gospel. Because, like I said, Jesus came because we were of the same value to the Father, and he lost that. And so he had to send something of the but same value if we to get it back. That, you know, if we believe sin led us to Jesus... That's um, that's fall short, yeah. totally fall short of what this whole redemptive story is. Yeah, that's about. where that's where people get off the rails a bit. God never um, creates evil. He never. That's what desires I said. Evil, evil doesn't come. The good comes out. He, of it. he because of his ability to see in the future, he compensates for the decisions that we've made. Yeah. See what I'm saying? It's like he saw in Adam all of humanity alive before yeah. sin. Right? He wrote all of our plans for our lives inside of Adam before Adam and Eve even became man and wife. Right? So but looking ahead, he saw Adam and Eve go for independence, break away from the life of God. And he, he also saw the whole world break away from God. So even before Adam's created, God's already made a way out of that. Yeah. So that 
there's no plan B, but the redemption is the original is the original intention of the law. And but people need to get that because that concept of Jesus comes as a result in my life of sin. No, that's doing evil that good may come. But see, that only makes him saviour. It doesn't make him Lord. Because yeah. saviour is only when you need help getting out of a bind. That's right. See, he's got to be saviour, yes, but he's got to be Lord. What makes him Lord is the fact that it was a part of the original plan. He was in the boardroom of heaven, yeah. as pastor has taught us. Yeah. Because so many Christians only have him as saviour. And, and, and that's he's, because they he's that. all those roles. But, you know, if we believe a gospel like that, then we're, we're being so, so short. And we're selling him short too with a gospel like that. That means that we're in the world right now and all the things that are taking place, we're thinking our process, our mindset, our belief system is he needs to come and save us. You see, how is he glorified all this, like getting us out of this bind? He's, He's not there to bring us out of a bind. You see, that does not make him Lord in my heart. I have to choose, choose, there's the choice, choose whether this, whether it be good or whether it be bad. He's my choice. And Pastor, him being Lord of your heart and your life takes you through the bind. Yes, it does. Not just getting you out of and, it. And it glorifies him. This is the key. Glorifies him, Shanae. Nothing it more glorifies him than a transformed Not bad life. experiences glorify him and he's got to pull us out. That doesn't glorify him. He walked them through the fire. He didn't take them out of the fire until the fire, but they went right through at the end and he walked with them. You see? And so for Christians to believe that this is a gospel it's so short. And many people are saying in the comments that that was the gospel that they were taught yep. growing up in church. You know, I want to go back to that statement that yeah. I said. Then you just cannot, it. You cannot behold Jesus and not be transformed. Now, people say, well, the Pharisees saw him all the time. No, they saw him, but they didn't behold him. There's two different things. Right? And so when you look at Jesus to behold him That's when you're and to not see him... The word there is actually the Pharisees actually measured him. They mm-hmm. measured what he was doing as kind of weighing on a scale, whether it was good enough. That's not beholding someone. When you behold someone, you look at them to emulate them, right, to imitate them. Yeah. So when you look at Jesus and you behold him, the moment you start beholding him, he looks inside you and says, right, okay, now I'm going to behold me in you yes. and I'm going to cause it to yes. come alive and come forward. Yes, and then you're going to let me walk through you. And, you know, um, I was just thinking about how we could bring this out in a very simple way and we call it foxhole faith, <laughs> where if you get me out of this bind, I'll, you know, I, I will recognise you as Lord and Saviour. No, you're only going to recognise him as Saviour. You're never going to recognise him as Lord. What did the guy say? He's a vacuum. He's a vacuum. 
Yeah. You hear, he is in the back of the closet, and when you need to vacuum up some mess, uh, you pull out Jesus, uh-uh. you vacuum it up, uh-uh. and then you put him back That's in the closet exactly for the what, next time you've got some mess. It's exactly what the Israelites did in Judges. And exactly. what I want to oh, say geez. to people that have made those comments and said, That's the type of gospel I've been given. I've never given that sort of a gospel, but if you have had that gospel, then renounce it. Renounce it. And ask the Lord to show you. By beholding him, you'll be transformed. Not by just seeing him as someone who's going to save you from your sins. That really sells the Lord short. It really does. Yes. And so you then will never see that you were made Mm -hmm. and conceived in his heart. In his mind, in his heart, in him. And then you were put in your mother's womb. I'm telling you, you'll never see that, never. And you'll never see that you can come back to that place, that stand. You can come back. Even now you can come back. But no, because of maybe the way you've learned salvation existed, then you will live that fragmented part of you, will live that way continually mm-hmm. and you'll always be fragmented. Why live like that when he's offering you the original? Yeah. yeah. You know, um, For such a time as this. Pastor, Matt, you were mentioning they were not beholding him, they were looking at him but not... Because in our personal readings we've been in john 8 9 and 10 last few days and john chapter 9 is where the lord heals the man born blind Mm -hmm. and the pharisees asked jesus are you telling us that we're blind (laughs) because you know you mentioned they were looking at him but they didn't see him so that brings us back to election the election of grace god the father was not choosing religious leaders to see Jesus, because Jesus said to them, because you say you can see, your sin remains. In other Mm. words, you're your own conviction, not God. You'd be Mm. better to have said you couldn't see. Yeah, and (laughs) and God had hardened their hearts. The Saviour was right in front of them and they couldn't see him. So, uh, you know, the Jews, when you're talking to a Jew, uh, the big thing is not the saviour, it's the lordship. It gets them about Jesus. Lordship. Lordship. Yeah. The lordship, the Messiah, the lordship. And so um, the challenge, are we going to go for a break? Um, I'm trying to kind of Thank go, you. but you're on it. <laughs> you're on a flow, so I don't like to interrupt. Where wherever the Lord is taking it, yeah, we need to go. We gotta we gotta break it up a little bit, and we have some questions. So we don't. Yes, we had like three or four of them. We can always find a creative way around this situation. Yes, and some of them you guys partially answered. So some of them maybe have a Colleen had one, Alexandra had one. And I don't know where it. they are. So I will have to find the Anders original. asked a question before. He asked, how do we know when we're living from our heart and not from our soul? Or wow, Andrew, sorry, I didn't see that one. And I don't, I'm not going to answer it because 
the whole course that we're going to do. you've got to give them a little taste. Peace. The word peace. Peace is the referee to determine if you're at perfect peace, you'll know your heart will be at perfect peace. You'll know you're living from your heart. Your Amen. soul. Your they need soul, to break it a bit. If your soul is the thing influencing you, you will not be at peace. And if if you're tormented in your, you know, like if that the heart and and circumstances are trying to torment you all the time in your yep. heart, you need to to just step back and evaluate, locate, and find out what's coming from this. Yep. Because seriously, if you do that, you will come to terms with your heart, what's going on. Yep. And Isaiah says, he whose mind is stayed on you, the word mind peace. there is actually in the Hebrew imagination. So he whose imagination is stayed on you will have perfect peace. Perfect peace. You shall keep him in perfect peace. Yeah. So there's your key. If your heart is focused on the Lord yeah. and you're living from a heart level, you will have perfect peace. That means your imagination will be stayed on him and your heart will be at peace. When your imagination is not stayed on him, there's no peace. It's true. That's just a quick Hallelujah. summary. And I'm sure there's more that quick we can summary. bring out. But, but we'll go through laws of the heart to learn how if I'm living on a heart level. Yeah. There's actually scientifically and medically your heart beats at a certain amount of beats per second when you're accessing living on your heart on a subconscious level. And they've actually been able to, HeartMath um, Institute has actually been able to develop a kind of graph that shows you, right, right now you're actually living on a heart level. And then the moment someone like jolts back into the five senses being, this is the key, the five senses ruling you will never live, let you live on heart level. So what you see, what you hear, what you taste, smell, and what you feel, if that's what rules your life, it's not heart level. Yeah. So that's how they can actually measure scientifically now and medically, ah, okay, your heart's beating at the right amount of beats per second. Well, you're on a heart level. It's crazy how science testifies to the Lord. So why don't we find out what those other questions were? I have them. Uh, okay, ready. Colleen's one here. Yeah. Uh, well, technically when we ask questions, it's kind of a break, so you can take a break if you need one. All right, Colleen had a question. Well, actually, sorry, Pastor Sonia did have a question first. And qu her question was, so is God never disappointed or dissatisfied when he looks at us? No, because he's not looking <laughs> at <Science>. you. you. <laughs> Get this, please. She had to hear you say it. Come up here, Sonia. Come no. sit in the front. Because this is Jesus. Not and, this, and I'm the looking Father looking through him. You. He's looking at the Christ <laughs> within you. Pastor, practical example. This is Jesus. I'm the Father. I'm looking at you through Jesus. Wait. Can I? It's Am the I, Jesus kaleidoscope. I only see Jesus. I can't see fear. I can't see disappointment. I can't see... <laughs> I can only see I Jesus. I can only see Jesus. Now you heard it. That's you hear it. it. That's it. Hang on. i got to look to see two people there. Two images there. No, I can only see one. It's oh, the Jesus Lord. kaleidoscope. It is. <laughs> got to get that Fourth reality. Color. Okay. 
Full of colour. The problem is he just wants you to see Jesus. Oh, Lord, Sonia. Sonia, turn yourself and look. That's right. Look in the mirror. That's what 2 Corinthians says. As in looking in a mirror with unveiled face. Oh, my God. Transformed from glory to glory. Just as from the Lord the Spirit. Let Come on. this land. I know. My chest. It's all heavy now. She's all about abiding. Go get a mirror Let and look at yourself and find Jesus. So you're going to There's an exercise. Everybody, go get a mirror and look at yourself and stop seeing you and start to see Jesus. Ah. Okay. Then you might so change. Can we say <laughs> hi to some we, new people? We too? only. We, we're always looking for the two images. Uh, wow. Always, always looking for the two images. Always. But the father only sees one, his son. And he wants to see his son image you. <laughs> when he sees you, he's a bit of a darker shade of Jesus. No, you know what? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so we had it. First of all, we had a new uh, viewer, Adeline. Um, hi, Adeline. I hope I'm saying your... Um, Name correctly. Hi. Thank you for tuning in. Um, <laughs> hi, Lisa. She's on. Come on, get this. Mm -hmm. um, Colleen says, how is our personality related to our identity in the godly sense or in a godly sense? Is one the expression of the other? Your personality is related to your godly personality when you choose to let that personality come forward. What you begin to contribute to that coming forward becomes where your personality comes out. Does that make sense? So your contribution to the Jesus in you, the godly part of it, your godly contribution, which is your repentance, your yielding, your willing to listen, be, be humble, to uh, live in perfect peace, all of those things start to take his personality and your personality and make them one. That, that becomes just simply ability. Availability. And available. There it is. So it is. The two become mm -mm. connected. Mm -hmm. Availability. Amen. I wonder what kind of personality Jesus had. Because he didn't have like the fallen state that we had. Wow. He was pretty down to good? earth. So he must he was have, pretty assertive. He must have had the, well, he did have the personality of the father in a yep. sense because he was perfect as far as his human side was concerned and, and the divine side. So that's possibly an aspect of that personality that he wants to bring forward in us. But define personality, Nate. How would you define personality? I don't want to go into it now because it's too much. Person He's or got a whole list. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a whole list of things. He answered the question, which perfect piece. Wait, I want to say something. You just touched on something that this is something that blew my mind today. Um, what The reality of, of Jesus being the spoken word. There's a statement here that will tie in with what you just said, right? Um, uh, where is it, Lord? Thank you, Father. Uh, oh, thank you, Lord. Bring it to you. Well, anyway, while Nate's looking it up, the way I understand personality is your demeanor 
whether it's been affected by your five senses or by the spirit. And so I think that's where my dissatisfaction comes as far as my personality is concerned. I want my demeanour, my whole aspect on life, to be more affected by my active relationship with the Lord rather than the circumstances around me. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So that your responses are always in the Lord and not in the flesh, so to speak. That's it. That's why I don't like, you know, um, when when people try and talk persons a person's personality down because it doesn't match their their sort of understanding of how a person should be. Yeah. You know what I mean? I remember when um, Dr. Bill Hammond once said he had he was dissatisfied with his wife's personality. <laughs> yeah. And when he went to the Lord, he said, the Lord said to him, I like the way she is and I'm not going to change it for you. That's a rebuke. Oh, my Lord. So, again, it depends on what the Lord the intended for us to portray as attributes of him because obviously my personality and all of you guys is different. But that's what God has allocated for me. Here's the key. This is what I was going to say. Jesus is the sum of every thought, word, and the personality of God in physical form. Yes. So if you want to know the Father's personality, look at Jesus. Because you said you want to know the Jesus' personality? That, well, look at the form. Father. Because John says, he says, if you've seen me, you've, you've seen, seen the Father. The Father. Yeah. So, so that's the physical and, form. And get this. And that was the, he was the sum of every thought God had ever had. Yep. But he was some, the word spoken. There's something more beautiful than that. Only when the whole church is together one day with the Lord is the fullness of Christ's personality yes. manifest. Yes, yes. Not one person has the full personality of Christ. That's why we need each other. Because you have a personality of Christ that I don't possess by myself. That's right. That's why we need each other. Otherwise, you'd be on your own. Otherwise, you I'd be... You could do it all by yourself. Which is what Adam and Eve wanted and to a do. Lot of, and can we go there? Back. And a lot of the time, the thing that offends us most in our brother is the personality of Christ in them coming forward. And we try to change that to be like our fleshly, yeah. pseudo-demonic personality. There you go. We need to going, go for a break. Rather than going, wow, We're brother, I need that part of Jesus oh, from you. This is the break. Like I don't trust I know. personality doesn't like these breaks. Can we answer all the questions? Wow, brother, no. sister, I need that part of Jesus that you're portraying because I don't have what it. Are they? And I hallelujah. need to let it come forward through you. Yeah, hallelujah. Are you <laughs> Alexandra, I, I can't. Oh, we did Alexandra's. Okay, you saw it. Yep. Um, and what um, was the other one? Anyone else? I, I got a new question. Uh, I don't think so. I think we answered all the questions. <laughs> wait, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Let me see. I took a photograph. Uh, I like what, Mike, um, what Pastor question? Mike says there. He says, it's we have the mind of Christ, yeah. not I have the mind of Christ. Can you answer this question? I got more mind of Christ than you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm joking, so brother. funny. Meaning, I got to catch up. Meaning, it's not just for one. Yeah. So, what can? Because you were saying, like, listen to this husband and wife. You guys made this comment to about that. What can we do in fellowship with another? Oh Lord. To help us see this, like, no, honestly, because I get torn, getting in the way of 
like say if another believer comes to me and say, look, this is the issue. I don't want to go back into fixing it just because there's an issue. But what's the balance between, okay, no, this is actually a godly trait <laughs> and I might be offending you or there's so many this, there's so many layered, barometers but, to let you know and there's so many layers yes because it goes into you being a disciple you you, you gotta you gotta stop dread being dread being wrong yes right because okay. we dread being okay. wrong again because i went back to the start yes. of that pain that we'll feel if we're exposed which means that we'll feel pain and then pain equals death we don't like dying <laughs> right on the okay. inside because it's just our sinful nature, but we don't have that nature anymore, so we're, re we're redeemed, so we've got to let that overshadow what used to be. But um, I think the key answer is look at Jesus. If you're looking at your brother and you see Jesus, then when they say something that is coming from Jesus to you, yeah. you will receive it. Got it. But if you see them and their personality defects, yeah. you'll think, oh, this is a personal attack. Yeah. Okay. And then vice well, versa. They could be personally attacking you. But if you choose to see Jesus even in that personal attack, there's a greater transformation that's taken place in you. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. Amen. It's not a one-fits-all kind of answer, though. No, no way. Again, it depends on your Christian life. If you've been raised in a church where there's been a lot of law, your picture of Jesus will be very legalistic. Yeah. If yeah. you've been raised in a church But all those mindsets will be changed. Yeah. If but it comes down to motive and, you know, that person's Jesus motive was is never not Jesus. Legalistic. This is it. He was never legalistic. I was going to say the other end of the stick is if you've been risen up in a congregation where there's a lot of grace and, well, you're going to be very <laughs> loose in a sense. Yeah. So we well, need, that's we the need environment both. affecting you. Yeah. But again, come both. back to matter where you were raised up. In the beginning, we were all in that one place. Yeah. And that's what we need to go back to, yeah. that one place. I think that's where I'm getting that realisation, like Nate was just explaining. It's just seeing people, seeing God, seeing myself yeah. in that back to that space versus... Yeah, that's, you know. that's why Paul said that, you know, think on these good things. Right. Amen. Just like I want somebody I mean, to give he me... He could quite easily Sorry. think on the wrong thing because there was so much persecution for him. Right. And I, and I say that from my own perspective, if I want people to give me grace because I've had circumstances happen to me and it has mm. skewed my personality in a sense... I need to give that grace to my brethren as well. Because well, we're going to find out what back. our true personality is. Because um, <clears throat> uh, I don't think you fully know your personality because uh, life uh, and, and demonic activity in your life <gasps> and, and, and situations that have brought it about <laughs> can entangle around your personality and you don't even know who you are in Christ. So there's a word, entanglement. Mm. Yeah. One of, one of the, the relational time. things that we learn in counselling is this, and this is not spiritual now, this is practical, right? Talk about the truth that sets you free will be the truth that you're most offended by. Yeah. Okay, so if someone, your brethren in church or your roommate or your husband or wife is giving you a truth from Jesus, first of all, that truth has to be motivated by love because yeah. truth even though it can be delivered, must be delivered with love, otherwise it's not truth. 
Mm. Right? But here's the key. One of the counseling things that we say is this. You have to ask yourself, if I was to hear this truth from someone else right now, mm. would I listen to it? Wow. Because <laughs> then that points to you looking at the vessel that's delivering the truth and judging the vessel wow. and not hearing the truth. So, for example, if Pastor Tony was to give me a truth about myself and I put up a fight, I have to ask myself, hang on, if Pastor Robin was to say that to me, would I listen to it? Yeah, it's choosing. In counselling, that's a very big key relationally to find out if you let the exterior determine the interior. Yeah, definitely. So that's a little practical help. I'm going to have a bit of a break. Do my mind. I'm telling talk. you. Okay, you can have a break. We're finished. I know, Can we're we about to finish. five minutes before we come back? We're yes. finished. You can have five minutes. Do you need to take I a rest? I think we rest? all need five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was about to say something, though. I forgot. These are little tools that we learn yeah. well yeah. to understand it's how we think. It's going to be good. Very Not good. the vessel. That is so true. Oh, my gosh. It's like if Jesus was to say to you face-to-face, -face, would you listen? But because your pastor says it and you know your pastor's weaknesses... Or you know your pastor's vulnerabilities. <laughs> Come on. So let's have a quick break. Okay, I want my mac. I need some chicken. Somebody, can I get my mac and cheese and chicken from the back, please? Because I, I just want one little Comfort bite food. before we finish it off. Okay, sure. I think, yes. Um, that that was a really good point. Yeah, I'm empty that right was now. That's not mine. Such a That's good not mine. Portal. So I give credit where credit is due. That is a tool that most counselors will use. Unfortunately, we don't apply it ourselves. <laughs> oh, this, what you it's just a, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a communication method. No, All right. But, yeah. but I'm just saying that was an amazing point. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I'm like, no, he you said can't I can't hear that from you. I'm going to hear it from her. <laughs> but i yes. got to say that's amazing because the word is the word. It locates the heart. And it locates. And if it's going to be doing what it does, it won't really, you know, it's hard sometimes to receive it from someone that you're not you, you're not seeing Christ. Yeah. You're just you seeing their shortcomings. Their shortcomings. Okay. That's right. that's We're going to take a right 5 now. minute guys. Don't go anywhere. Talk to each other. Fellowship in the comments. Tell each other the truth about one another. And we'll be right back. Everybody This has been a portal to remember. Pastor Robin, you taught an amazing seminar and we need to give you thanks for it because it set the groundwork. We haven't got us on. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. It's okay. They can hear us. Oh, you can all eat. It, they, it really set the groundwork for a new transformation Thank you. of our hearts. I love what you said. It's my favorite gem of the whole thing. So many, but what really stood out to me because I'm learning all about the heart. Funny enough, five, seven, eight, two, the year that we're in, two is the representation in the Hebrew alphabet of the heart. But what you said, we've been equipped in hand, now we need to be equipped in heart. Yes. That was just what? Yes. Mind blowing. So, can we just say thank you to Dr. Robin for thank that seminar? You. Come on. It was one of the best. It was one of the best. You keep setting the bar every time.
Yeah. And I you're going to break it next time. i got to go to that bar myself. <laughs> I've set myself a bar. I've got to You're going to break it. You're going to break it. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to bring this to a close because it's been a, a lot of revelation tonight. And you can go back and listen to it I on think Facebook. It was very, very, it was very good. good. The Holy Spirit just opened it up. We didn't have any of this when we got here. See, you don't need to be in confusion, whoever else is listening out there. You know, there's so much confusion going on in the world, but uh, God will always make sure that you can hear what he's saying Amen. to you personally. And so, you know, a lot of prophetic people are doing a lot of things about what's going on. But this show is from the Lord to give open a portal just to speak to you and to get you through it. No, not out of it, but through it. But speak to your heart. Teach you how to listen from your heart and how to speak to your heart and how to acknowledge your heart and not ignore your heart. So, you know, I, I would say that, Pastor, that uh, this is a real heart lesson. And uh, look out for a new series on Talk TV coming in the fall where we sit down with Dr. Robin and myself and we go through the process. We'll oh, be having yes. discussions based on what we teach on Kingdom Emotions and the portals and we'll be unfunking the, the process. Some new shows coming to Talk TV in the fall. Also more episodes of Theology Talks. Yep. They're being readied as we speak. So you talked on the Holy Spirit, you talked on all of the doctrines of faith oh, we, and... We've had people come up. Yeah, we have guests come on, which I think is really cool, having soap shoes We've had come Pastor up. Tim come up and talk on situations. What was that subject? Anyone know? Which one? Apocryphation and... Yeah, predestination. That's right. Fall of yes. man, the fall of Lucifer. Yes. You've talked on good Satan things. Satan's seed. Satan's seed. Yeah. Yes. You're going to be talking on more, so you've got a whole lot more coming forward with that. And... Rom, drum roll, please. I can't. you got to be there October 16th and 17th for our season casting. Yes. Oh, we have dates. And because the way the world has changed just in one too day, important. it's going to be very interesting season casting. And, guys, we're doing all that we can to make sure the prophetic has integrity and is applicable to your life, not just, you know, this esoteric kind of, you know, spiritual phenomena. It's an actual living lifestyle. So we'll be launching on Season Casting 2022 this year our new website called propheticannals.com. And we'll start with words that have been spoken from this house and our team, Elizabeth and Josh, are doing an amazing job along with myself and, and Jonathan. And we're also going to be working with Danny in Australia, who's an editor, so God's prepared her for such a time as this. We'll be putting words together to show you, not sorry, not words, we'll be putting actual proof of articles in mainstream media and the independent media to show you that the word of the Lord is being fulfilled. Words that have been spoken will be backed up by actual recorded articles that show that it was spoken at this time and date and it was seen by the world at this time and date. And I believe that it's going to be a really, really powerful resource because we don't have anything like that. We don't. We have like so many lists out there, I won't name the name, 
that just have thousands of prophetic words that just get spoken into the atmosphere and we don't know if they're ever fulfilled. A lot of them are all allegorical. Yes, a lot of them Maybe are. Or symbolic. And a lot Maybe of them. Maybe 10% are like you can actually verify. So this is our prophetic audit. Uh, hang on, let me see. <laughs> and <laughs> our prophetic audit. How dare you take that from me? It's too much about the Saviour. Out there, I'm hearing all the time, save me, save yeah, me, right. save me. Jesus is coming to save, to save. Well, he has saved. He's coming for more than saving. He's coming to be the Lord. Right. He's coming to be King of kings and Lord of lords. And he and my God and your God is preparing a place for him to be that very thing. So Prophetic Annals is all about declaring and revealing the Lordship of Christ in our earth right now. That the mountains of society, media, arts, all the seven mountains, especially media, is bowing to the knee of Jesus and to the name of Jesus and fulfilling what Jesus declares will happen. He's telling his church first. He says in Amos, I do nothing without letting my prophets know on the earth. And so we're excited to launch that in season casting. There'll also be a whole download available of those previous prophetic blueprints. We'll have another prophetic blueprint this year. It won't be quite as detailed. It'll be more a summary because we want people to now start focusing their attention to prophetic annals. And you guys don't know, but we're going to be recording every single word that you speak. And hopefully we can bring Dr. Bill Hammond on and other prophets that have, we have, you know, like-minded with, like-mindedness with to show that those words are being fulfilled. But we're going to start with our house and showing that our, the and word is alive. others to the yeah, house. of course. But this is really Yay. important that we're we do this there. because um, we're a prophetic church. We are. We're part of preparing the way for the coming of the Lord, not the coming of Saviour. Coming of Lord. And I just want to say, sorry, Janet. Pastor, the Lord said this to me this week. He really gives us a niche in the city. It's not that we're not reaching out to the lost. We are reaching out to the lost. But I said to you tonight, this concept of homecoming, right? Yep. And coming home. It's truly The lost are coming about. home, but Shania, the church has got to come home. You know... Because we're bringing lost people into a broken people into a broken church. But you, you mentioned to me, just to finish it off with, you mentioned to me the other night a new song that you wanted to uh, sing, but you were, you were disappointed with the words because it didn't seem to have the same meaning. But the, the actual name of the song song was coming home yeah it's from a very well known yeah, okay, worship group but the point it was all is, about the prodigal it was always the prodigal yeah perspective but it was more than that it was um when i was doing dipping night every second time i spoke to someone it was come home and these were believers yes because they've been at church online for the last two years come home so we have several of them coming home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Pastor, I've also written another song that I'm not going to let you hear or know about until season casting called For Such a Time as This. Wonderful. It will be released at season casting. Very good. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Shania. This Thank was you, a real powerful episode. I know. As, as my grandkids might say, real powerful. <laughs> right. Because I got to eat my... Pray us out with your chicken. <laughs> Whole foods now. And I'm going oh for something to eat. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm getting all greasy. So, Lord... First of all, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you for, first of all, our leadership, Lord. We thank you for your leadership as well, Lord, your lordship in our lives, Lord, mm. made real to us every day. And, Lord, we just pray for those that are watching this ourselves up here as well, that everything that was brought forth from your spirit will permeate into our hearts and um, overflow into our soul and mind for the true congruence and the true original personality of yes. ourselves. Lord. So we just pray that you just reintroduce all of us to us as we prayed before, but in a deeper level this time, Lord, introduce Jesus. the original plan to us so That's we cool. then know who you are in your image, but also the same image of us engraved in our hearts. So, Lord, we just thank you for every audience member that visited, every audience member that is consistently here, yes. every audience here, physically here, our team in the back as well, Lord. We just thank you for everyone. For such a time as this, you had them listen to this. So share everyone. Share with your friends. Share with your family. Leave them with the Lord with it. <laughs> um, and let him minister to them through it. All right? Amen. 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 And uh, do we have our little mascot? We've got to get our mascot. Because he out. might just say, if we say amen, he might just say it with amen. us. Amen. Oh, oh, wow. A man. Professor a man. Ezekiel, a man. come forth. That's another word he loves. Yeah, you got the Holy Here Spirit. Here he comes. Chicken. Here he comes. Somebody said you got that Holy Spirit chicken. Where is the mascot? Not there. Oh.